Frontier Gentlemen, here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual accounts. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the New Territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentlemen. Around Dodge City and in the territory out west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. And now here is your guide to these adventures of the mind. There is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this fall. OCR Now, here is OCR Marshal. Yeah, what's the matter, Lee? I'm drunk. Well, he was walking. I thought he'd been shot. No, I'm not shot. I never saw you drunk before, Lee. Well, would you like a little coffee or something? Ah, there's my gun. Now lock me up. What? Lock me up, I say. You mean you want to sleep in jail here? I do. You keep my gun. I come here to prevent a killer. Oh? I'm drunk enough to want to kill him, and I'm sober enough to know I'm too drunk to kill him. You understand? To kill who, Lee? Jim Salter. That's who. My former. Is he in town, too? He is. At the Texas Trail. And let him stay there. Keep him out of here. I never saw Mr. Dargan like that before, Mr. Dillon. No. I wonder what he was fighting with Salter about. Maybe Salter started it. Maybe he's drunk, too. Well, if he is, knowing him, he'll be after someone else to fight with now. I think I'll go take a look, Chester. All right, sir. Sounds to me like this is a simple case of a disagreement between two men. Can Marshal Dillon smooth all this out before trouble starts? Find out when you listen to this May 30th, 1953 episode of Gunsmoke. And I'll be back with Frontier Gentlemen. Hey everyone, this is OTR Rob welcoming you to another edition of The Frontier Gentlemen. This episode is from June 1st, 1958, and the episode is entitled School Days, which is kind of ironic because the previous episode of Gunsmoke is entitled Ball Semester, so they both have school-related titles to them with a five-year gap in the Gunsmoke episode and Frontier Gentlemen. But anyway, in this episode... Episode, J.B. Kendall arrives in a small town called Rottenhead Gulch, and he's about ready to enter a saloon when the mayor stops him, tells him that it's a place of voting today and the bar is closed, and he learns that they want him to vote, and he's not even a citizen, let alone a member of the community, and the mayor says that he has to vote for the new school marm, which they want to keep and they don't want to lose. Now, they don't have any children for the school marm to teach, but they want to keep her anyway because they're getting an education from her at night. So it's more like night school. <laughs> and just as he's about ready to make out his ballot, the school marm comes along. Good afternoon, boys. Well, now, good afternoon, Miss Jones. Howdy there. I've met this gentleman. Well, no, ma'am. He's just rode in. As soon as he's finished his business, he's going to be riding right out again. Miss Jones, isn't it? Yes. My name is Kendall, Miss Jones. J.B. Kendall. How do you do, Mr. Kendall? I have been uh, 
hearing quite a bit about you, Miss Jones. Oh, have you? I'd like very much to talk to you as soon as voted. Voted? But you can't vote. James Ponder. Oh, now, ma'am, this here's man's work. I will and not you... have a dishonest ballot. I told you that before. Oh, it ain't really dishonest, Miss Jones. Jim made this fella an honorable citizen of Rotten Head Gulch, didn't you, Jim? Well, sure. I'm very sorry, Mr. Kendall, but you cannot vote. Oh, ma'am, you just don't understand these here political things. I understand that you're trying to stuff the ballot box, and I will not have it. Has everybody in town voted? Oh, yes, ma'am. We sure have. Then in my presence, I want you to seal the box. Everybody's voted. It's legal. Seal the box. Yes, ma'am. Now, Miss Jones, uh, why don't you take Mr. Kendall and show him the schoolhouse? <laughs> I figure he'd like to see that. As a matter of fact, I would. All right. And no more voting. Is that understood? Oh, oh Miss Jones, you, Ms. I understand Jones. for sure. This way, Mr. Kendall. Find out what happens next when you listen to this Frontier Gentleman from June 1st, 1958. And I'll be back next week. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Dylan, I've been thinking. Yeah. We ought to renovate this place. What? Renovate it? Uh, oh, blast it, Chester. What's the matter? Oh, nothing, nothing. I, I was trying to write and listen to you at the same time. That's all. It can't be done. Well, Marshal. Yeah, what's the matter, Lee? I'm drunk. <laughs> well, he was walking. I thought he'd been shot. No, I'm not shot. I never saw you drunk before, Lee. Well, would you like a little coffee or something? Ah, there's my gun. Now lock me up. What? Lock me up, I said. What, you, you mean you want to sleep in jail here? I do. You keep my gun. Are there any blankets out there, Chester? Well, there's one, Mr. Dillon. Oh, no, that's enough. Okay, Lee. Just follow Chester, then. I will. Marshal, I come here to prevent a killer. Oh? I'm drunk enough to want to kill him, and I'm sober enough to know I'm too drunk to kill him. You understand? To kill who, Lee? Jim Salter. That's my foreman. Is he in town, too? He is. 
the Texas Trail and let them stay there. Keep them out of here. I'm going to bed. Right in there, Mr. Dargan. I never saw Mr. Dargan like that before, Mr. Dillon. No. I wonder what he was fighting with Salter about. Maybe Salter started it. Maybe he's drunk, too. Well, if he is, knowing him, he'll be after someone else to fight with now. I think I'll go take a look, Chester. All right, sir. Oh, Chester, if uh, Lee wakes up, just uh, give him another drink, huh? Yes, sir. Being alone isn't so bad, Matt, sometimes. Oh. Buy you a drink? No, thanks. I don't see Jim Salter anywhere. I wouldn't complain about that. Well, then he was here, huh? Sitting right where you are, and he'll be back any minute. How drunk is he, Kitty? Well, he isn't very drunk. It might be an improvement. <laughs> It'd break his heart to hear you talk like that. If he has one. Here he comes now. Let's ask him. He looks sober enough. You move in fast, Marshal. Sit down, Salter. Sit down. Seems as how it's my table, I will. I, uh, ran into Lee Dorgan. He was pretty mad about something. Isn't that so? Yeah. But it's all right, as long as you're not looking for trouble. Me, Marshal? I never look for trouble. Neither does Lee. Now, you know those Southerners, Marshal. They're always getting insulted about something. You've been foreman on Lee's ranch for over a year now, Salter. Is this the first time he's wanted to kill you? (laughs) Is that what he said? That's what I heard him say. Oh, yeah. Well, Marshal Lee's had a little bad luck with his cattle, that's all. He's had a drink or two. He needs someone to blame it on. You know how it is with these greenhorns. No. How is it? If it weren't for me, he wouldn't have as many cows as he's got. Now he's lost a few strays, he's all upset. Well, as long as it doesn't end in gunplay. Oh, me and Lee get along fine when he's sober. Yeah. You have to leave, Matt? I'm afraid so, Kitty. Then I'm going to bed. Hey, wait a minute. You can't do that. Who says I can't, mister? Good night, Matt. (laughs) Good night, Kitty. Well, I'll be. Mighty nice of you, Chester, to bring me all that coffee. Oh, don't mention it, Mr. Dargan. I had a hangover once myself. Here's your gun, Lee. Thank you, Marshal. You, uh, still feel like killing Jim Salter? I'll kill any man that cheats me. That's how I was brought up, and that's how I am. So? I guess it's just instinct that tells me I'm being robbed by a Marshal. I got no proof at all, none whatsoever. 
What is it, Lee? Don't your cattle tally upright? Look. I came out here from Alabama 18 months ago. I bought a ranch. I'm trying to raise beef. I've learned a little, but I can see it takes years to be a cattleman. Meantime, I'm green and I'm an easy mark, but I'm not so dumb I can't count. Marshal, I branded over 300 calves last spring and fall, and more than half of them are missing right now. Stolen? I don't know, Marshal. I've asked every rancher and every buyer around here to be on the lookout for my brand that hadn't turned up once. Well, why do you think Salter has anything to do with it? Instinct, I told you. I just don't trust him. Nothing more, but it's enough. Well, then why don't you fire him? Uh, pride, I suppose. I want to beat him at his own game, whatever it is. Well, good luck at it, Lee. Well, I need more than luck, Marshal. I, I, I need a little help. I just don't know enough about this business. Are you asking me to help you? I am. But how? Come out to the ranch. Take a look around. Maybe you'll see something I can't see. Well, I don't know. We're Brandon again tomorrow, Marshal. Come out then. You, you've got to help me. I've been... I'll be ruined if this goes on anymore. All right, Lee, I'll come. But, uh... Will you promise me one thing? What's that? If Salter does prove to be guilty, you won't try to kill him? No, I can't promise that. I respect the law, Marshal, but I got my own code, too. Thanks, just... Now, wait a minute, Lee. You're stubborn, but I don't think you deserve being ruined. All right, I'll come. Thank you, Marshal. Thank you. You know, the reason I got drunk last night was because I just felt so almighty helpless. Mad and helpless. Yeah. I know the feeling. See you tomorrow. Marshal Dillon. Good morning, Mr. Peters. And what can I do for you this morning? Well, uh, I'm interested in some brands that you got mm -hmm. registered here. Oh, you don't mean to tell me that you're going into the cattle business, Marshal? <laughs> no, not likely. I just want to see what new brands have been registered in the past, oh, 12 mm -hmm. or 13 months. Well, certainly, certainly, Marshal. Uh, let's see, 1865, 67, Yeah, here it is. There, there you are. That's the official brand book for the last two years. Uh, thank you. You can start anywhere you like in it. Well, uh, maybe you remember, Mr. Peters. Mm -hmm. Has Jim Salter got a brand registered? Mm, Salter? Yeah, Jim Salter. The fellow who works for Lee Doggins? That's right. Yeah. Um, last summer. July, I believe. Look there. July? Mm-hmm. Yeah, July, 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 July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah here it is. Hmm? Uh, Salter, James Salter, July 14th. Bar S. That's it, Bar S, yes, indeed. How's he doing? Uh, fine, Mr. Peters, fine. Uh, 
Thanks for the help. Oh, anytime, Marshal. Anytime at all. That's what I'm paid for. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, Marshal. When we weren't working, most of the cattle buyers in town spent their time drinking toddy and telling lies at the Dodge House. And there I learned that a number of Bar S calves had been sold in the fall and some more of them in the spring. They remembered because it wasn't often a man sold only calves and also because the brands were newly burned on. But they said the brands were clean and there was no question of any previous marking having been altered. I figured Salter was a whole lot smarter than the ordinary rustler. And the next day I found out just how smart. They sure got their branding fire set far enough apart, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, they have. Here's Jim Salter now, at this first fire. Now we'll stop and say hello, Chester. All right. Oh. All right, let him go, boys. That's interesting. What is? I'll tell you later. Now, you don't have to stop work just because we're here, Salter. That's all right, Marshal. Yeah, but you didn't brand that one. You'll just have to cut him out and rope him again. Iron's cold anyway. Oh, you got another iron there in the fire. We'll get him branded, Marshal. What are you doing out there anyway? Oh, we needed a change of scenery, so we thought we'd pay Lee a visit. Where is he? Working the fire down yonder. You sure do keep your fire separated. Anything else you fellas object to? Well, no, I wasn't objecting. I was just making an entirely impersonal observation, that's all. Well, go do your observing on Lee. You came to see him. Salter, I'd starve plumb to death before I'd ever work around you. You sure would, Chester. Come on, Jim. Wasting time. See you later, Marshal. Yeah. Okay, Adams, bring another one out. Okay. He's smart, that Salter. To me, he's just mean and downright graceless. At least that too, Chester. Oh? You got something figured out, Mr. Dillon? I got it all figured out. What? Salter's stealing cattle, all right. I know just how he's doing it. But the problem now is how to handle Lee Dorgan and that code of his. I wouldn't want to see Lee hung for murder. No, sir. I surely wouldn't either. Hello. Hi, Marshal. Hold it, man. How are you, Marshal? Chester? Fine, Lee. About through for the day. Why don't you ride on down to the house? Okay. I'll be along directly. Uh, we stopped by Salter's fire back there. Oh, how are they doing? Fine. Uh, tell me something, Lee. Does Salter always work alone with those same two cowboys? Yeah, come to think of it, he does. Why? I was just curious. We'll see you at the house, Lee. Sure, Marshal. Tell the cook I'll string him up. Supper isn't ready when we get there. <laughs> All right, I'll do that.
Not a bad house Mr. Dargan's got here, Mr. Dillon. That's fine. Let's sit on the porch here, Chester. He'll be along soon. Yes, sir. Mr. Dillon? Yeah. I've give up trying to figure it out about Salter. You'll just have to explain it. Well, I told you he sold fresh branded calves under the Bar S mark that he's got registered. Yes, sir. Those were Lee's calves. Did you ever hear of using a cold brand, Chester? A cold brand? Yeah. You can either put it on through a wet blanket or you can just keep the iron hot enough to burn hair and press it down lightly so it won't scorch the hide. Yeah. Looks like a fine brand for a few months. That is, until the calf sheds. Well, I'll be doggone. And then the calf's as unmarked as the day it got dropped. You can brand it at leisure with any mark that appeals to you, like a bar S, for example. So that's what Salter's been doing. Yeah, he was about to put a cold iron on that calf a while ago when we rode up. Sure, sure. He works at a distance from Dorgan because the other cowboys had noticed right away what he's up to. Ah, poor Lee. He's sure right about being green at this business. Well, he's going to learn now, Mr. Dillon. No. No, Chester, I can't tell him. Well, why not? Lee meant it when he said he'd kill Salter if he had any proof. And if he did that, he'd be worse off than he is now. Well, then why don't you just arrest that man? Yeah, the judge would let him off, I'm afraid. Cold brand can be laid to carelessness. Of course, we could wait a couple of months and catch him doing his bar S branding. That's risky, too, though. Well, what are you going to do, Mr. Dillon? I don't know, Chester. But I'll have to figure something out by morning. Turn to the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, there's a lifeline that stretches from here to Korea. A lifeline that you help sustain for our fighting men when you give blood to the Red Cross blood donor program. Call the Red Cross for an appointment to give blood the first thing Monday morning. And now, the second act of Gunsmoke. Understand it, Marshal. Just doesn't make any sense to me, but I asked for help, so all right, I'll do as you say. Then call Salter over here and tell him. Okay, Marshal. Salter? Salter? Yeah? Come over here. What do you want, Lee? We're already late this morning. I'm going to make a change in our branding setup, Salter. What? I've decided it'll be faster from now on. We all work from one fire instead of two. What for? You and Adams and Smith will work alongside the rest of us. That's all. Whose idea is this, anyway? Those are my orders. Oh? You still talk like a Confederate colonel, don't you? That'll do, Salter. Sure. This is for you, Marshal. I never did like you anyway.
It must have been pretty hard on Salter that day, having to put a permanent brand on Lee Dorgan's calves with a good hot iron. But he had no choice, and he did it. About noon, Chester and I said goodbye and rode back to Dodge. I figured that'd be the end of Lee's trouble. But two nights later, while Doc and I were taking our ease at the Alifraganza, I found out I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's like that ignorant cowboy got a letter from his sweet girlfriend in St. Louis, Matt. <laughs> well, all right, Doc, what did the letter say? Oh, well, she mentioned that she'd found a nice room with running water. Yeah. <laughs> running water. <laughs> and so this uncivilized son of the prairie wrote her back to get rid of that Indian at once or our engagement is off. <laughs> he thought that uh, rather raw. Uh, you understand that now, don't you, Matt? Because, uh, <laughs> well, that's the next drink's on you, Doc. Sure, Matt, sure. And when you get it, ask the bartender for a couple of good cigars. I really, as soon you? as I finish, I won't say that. Was a fin- <laughs> Uh-oh, I thought you left Lee Dargan out at his range. What? Just came in the door. Must be looking for you. He's coming this way, man. Yeah. Uh-oh. What's that under his arm? Oh, looks like a blanket. Uh, hello, Lee. Sit down. Marshal. Doc. Oh, how are you, Lee? What are you doing in town? Are you all through, Brandon? Yeah, we're through. Oh, how'd it go? Yeah. Take a look at this blanket, Marshal. Huh? That's all marked up, isn't it? It sure is. And it's burned with my brand all over. Where'd you find this, Lee? One of my men was riding by the place where Salter and his had his branding fire, Marshal. His horse kicked it up. He'd half buried it there. And he showed it to you, is that it? That's it. And he explained all about coal branding to me at the same time. I see. Where's Salter now, Lee? And he got wind. I was on to him and left, Marshal. I think he's in Dodge with those two who worked with him, Adams and Smith. And, uh, you're looking for him? And I'm looking for him. But I'm telling you so you can look, too. That blanket's enough evidence, even for the law, I figure. Along with the witnesses that'd convict him. But, uh, I'll find him, Lee. Better hurry, Marshal. I might find him first. Lee! You'll stand trial if you kill him. I'm not worried about that. So long, Martha. Why didn't you take his gun, Matt? So as he couldn't get in any trouble. He'd just find another one, Doc. He's a mighty determined man. Yes, I can see that. I'll uh, take that drink another time, Doc. I got work to do. Oh, sure, Matt. Oh, do me a favor. Will you drop this blanket off at the office for me? Oh, you bet your life I will. Well, good luck. Yeah, thanks. Mr. Dillon? Mr. Dillon? Yeah, what is it, Chester? There's something wrong, sir. I just saw Salter and two men walk up behind Lee Dargan over there and grab his gun. What? Well, where are they? They were headed toward Kelly's stable. I thought I'd better find you first. Come on. What are they doing in Dodge, anyway? Uh, Lee's on to him, Chester. He knows the whole story now. And they know he knows it. Well, then somebody's going to get killed, sure. Yeah, it looks that way. All right. Stay behind me, Chester. That's the only door to the stable. They'll have to come out there, sir. Yeah, I know. But we're going in after him. Easy now. 
The entrance to Kelly's stable was open, but there was no light showing. Chester and I stepped quickly around the frame of the door, and then we stopped just inside, waiting for our eyes to get used to the darkness. We could hear voices in the back where the men were saddling up. And then, suddenly, we both saw it at the same time. The first dog, Mr. Dillon. Look. Yeah. It's Mr. Dargan. They hung him. Yeah, they just did it. He can't be dead yet. Here, take my knife and cut him down. You can climb up on the feed box. I'll cover you from here now. Hurry. Yes, sir, I'll hurry. Darkin got loose somehow. Get up front there and take a look, both of you. I'll finish saddling up. Okay, soldier. Come on, Smith. Stay in here, Chester. Don't move. Mr. Darkin's breathing. When they come up, we'll jump them. I'll take Adams. Now, quiet now. I'll see him. Rope must have broke. Let's hit him on the head and have done with him. Yeah, well. You do it, Smith. I'll wait here. Yeah, okay. I'll see if it's... You all right, Chester? Yes, sir. Good. Now keep low. What's going on up there? On your gun, Salter. Who's that? It's Matt Dillon. I'll do as I say. Sure, Marshal. Here it is. <laughs> All right, Chester. Get the guns off of Adams and Smith. We don't have to worry about Salter. All right, sir. Lee? Lee, how are you? Uh, good to breathe again, Marshal. I was about gone. Well, you're all right. We got him. Salter's dead. You won't have any trouble now. No, no. But it's not easy the way you people educate a man out here. Well, if it was easy, Lee, anyone could manage. Well, thanks, Marshal. Yeah, sure.
Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were John McIntyre as Lee, Harry Bartell as Salter, and John Daner as Peters. Parley Bear as Chester, Georgia Ellis as Kitty, and Howard McNair as Doc. Gunsmoke has been selected by the Armed Forces Radio Service to be heard by our troops overseas. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Flirtation that leads to a killing interests Mr. and Mrs. North this coming Tuesday night on CBS Radio. Don't miss Kiss of Death when Pam and Jerry North go into action against a murderer. Also Tuesday night on most of these same CBS radio stations, John Lund, as yours truly Johnny Dollar, brings us his latest adventure in probing fraudulent insurance claims. Mr. and Mrs. North and yours truly Johnny Dollar, they're both thrilling Tuesday nighters at the Star's Address. This is Roy Rowan speaking, and this is the CBS Radio Network. prettiest women I've met in the West was very nearly the cause of violence and carnage. And to this day, I don't think she knows why. Frontier Gentlemen. Herewith, an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. first things I noticed in Laramie, Wyoming Territory, was the intense rivalry between that town and Cheyenne on the other side of the Laramie Mountains. 
One read the bitter attacks and counterattacks in the opposition newspapers. One heard it on the streets. At the time I arrived in Laramie, gold had been discovered in the mountains to the south, and there was great rejoicing in this fact, which threatened to eclipse Cheyenne's claim of superiority. In the interest of fair reporting, I decided to visit the mining area with the idea of making comparisons between it and that which I had seen in Montana Territory. It was about midday when I saw the sign by the side of the trail reading Rotten Head Gulch, and a few minutes after that when I arrived at a cluster of shacks which constituted said township. I noticed three men outside an edifice which bore the legend Dirty Charlie's Saloon. Ah. Good afternoon. Howdy. Saloon's closed. Oh? Yeah, voting day. Oh, I see. You voted yet? Uh, well, no. Uh, Buck, get out voting paper. Uh, got it right here, Jim. Right here, mister. <laughs> I'm not a member of your community. Does that make a difference? Well, you're a human man. That's all the difference we need. Hey, Shorty, get off from the table. Let the stranger sit comfortable like. <coughs> All right, set, mister. Oh. Well, Make your mark, or you can ride it out proper if you know how. Uh, one small point. Uh, what am I voting for? Or whom? You're voting for the school mom. That's what and who. Oh. And do I vote yes or no? Well, you vote yes, mister. You vote no, you're liable to end up lying toes down. Hey, you ain't been sent by them no good goose creek boys, have you? No, I've come from Laramie. Mm. Left there this morning. That's all right, then. Look here. It, it's not that I mind voting, but I'd like to know something about it. Well, he told you, mister. Get your it's mouth, Shorty. A... Man's got a right to know. That's legal. Well, sir, now it's this way. We got a school mom in Rottenhead Gulch. A school district in Laramie, give her, and we aim to keep her. She's the prettiest thing you ever did see. Uh, Shorty, I'm telling you now, hobble your lip. Well, she is, ain't she, Buck? Oh, man, she is a cow bunny, and that's for sure. Now, like I say, we aim to keep her, and ain't no goose creek coyote is going to get her. That's how come to vote. Now, the school district says if Goose Creek gets more votes in Rottenhead Gulch, she's going to be sent there. Ah, uh, now I see. So you vote yes. But, um, is it legal? Well, sure it's legal. Of course, of course it is. Yeah. Look here, I'm in charge of voting. I say it's legal. <laughs> Anybody comes this here town on voting day is a citizen of Rottenhead Gulch. Honorable like. Now, as mayor, I make you a citizen. Now you vote. All right. Hey, Buck, where at's a writing quill? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? We ain't had no voting since this morning. I guess maybe I left it in the saloon. We'll go get it. Sure, Jim. You know, I'm rather surprised to find a school teacher out here. I mean, in a mining town as small as this... Uh, are there many children? Oh, shucks, mister. There ain't no kids around Shorty, here. That... One of these here days, that leaky mouth of yarn is going to get you a case of slow. Well, it's a truth, Jim. A school teacher with no children to teach? Rather odd, isn't it? 
Well, now, sir, ain't nothing odd about it. <clears throat> we aim to get us some kids as soon as we get us some women to marry up with and have the kids. But how did the school district assign her here in the first place? Well, ain't nobody asked to find out. They did, and she's here, and she's going to stay. She's been learning us. There's 20 of us goes to school every night after work's done. Ain't that so, Jim? Yet there's a fact, mister. Now, maybe we ain't kids, but ain't but five of us can read and write so as you could notice it. And we figure we got a right to learn as well as any kid. Oh, I quite agree. But tell me, where does one meet this schoolteacher of yours? Well, I seen her a while back down to the creek washing some woman things. I found it, Jim. Right here. Here's a writing quill. We're at the ink. Oh. You know something? I want to tell you, that there buck, <clears throat> well, school ain't going to do him no good. You know, he ain't got enough brains to start with. <laughs> well, how many votes will you need to keep her here? Well, more than Goose Creek, that's for sure. You see, we got 20 votes in Rottenhead Gulch. Goose Creek's got maybe 30. So we just got to vote more than they do, so when the votes is counted, then we'll win. Hmm. Who, um... Counts the votes. Oh, back in Laramie. Well, as soon as the day is finished, we seal up the voting boxes and we take them up to Laramie. But won't they know that you've uh, enlarged your voting? They must be aware of the population here. Shucks, no such thing. We just got to be sure we got more signed votes in Goose Creek. That's all. And how will you know that? Well, right now it is kind of a problem. I got things, Jim. Right here. Thanks. There you go, mister. Good afternoon, boy. Well, now, good afternoon, Miss Jones. Howdy there. I've met this gentleman. Well, no, ma'am. He's just rode in. As soon as he's finished his business, he's going to be riding right out again. Miss Jones, isn't it? Yes. My name is Kendall, Miss Jones. J.B. Kendall. How do you do, Mr. Kendall? I have been uh, hearing quite a bit about you, Miss Jones. Oh, have you? I'd like very much to talk to you as soon as I've voted. Voted? But you can't vote. James Ponder. Oh, now, ma'am, this here is man's work. I will and not you... have a dishonest ballot. I told you that before. Oh, it ain't really dishonest, Miss Jones. Jim made this fella an honorable citizen of Rottenhead Gulch, didn't you, Jim? Well, sure. I'm very sorry, Mr. Kendall, but you cannot vote. Oh, ma'am, you just don't understand these here political things. I understand that you're trying to stuff the ballot box, and I will not have it. Has everybody in town voted? Oh, yes, ma'am. We sure have. Then in my presence, I want you to seal the box. Oh, Miss Jones. Oh, look, we can't do that. Look here, now, it, it ain't legal. Yeah, not till sundown. It just ain't legal. That's what it says right here in these here instructions from the school district in Laramie. Now, it just ain't legal. Not till sundown. If everybody's voted, it's legal. Seal the box. Yes, ma'am. That just don't seem right. Some of the other fellas didn't get to vote. Shorty, can you help me seal up this here now thing? Now, Miss Jones, uh, why don't you take Mr. Kendall and show him the schoolhouse? <laughs> I figure he'd like to see that. As a matter of fact, I would. All right. And no more voting. Is that understood? Oh, oh Miss Jones, you, Ms. I understand Kendall. for sure. This way, Mr. Kendall. Are you a minor, too? <laughs> no. I'm a newspaper correspondent for the London Times. Isn't that strange? I had a feeling, not exactly, but 
You're very much like my brother. He's a reporter on a Nebraska paper. How strange. It gave me quite a start when I first saw you. Miss Jones, how long have you been here? Rottenhead Gotch, three months. Weren't you surprised to find no children? Yes. Of course, they kept it from me for almost two weeks. I think I can understand why. Can you really, Mr. Kendall? Oh, I see. You mean because they wanted to learn themselves? Yes, you're right. And that's why you decided to stay? Yes. I suppose you think it curious that a woman devote her time to teaching 20 grown men. Not curious. Unusual, perhaps. This is the schoolhouse, Mr. Kendall. The men built it. They built the desks, benches, everything. Would you like to come inside? Very much. They even built a wooden floor, Mr. Kendall. Wooden floors are quite rare in these mining towns. I'm impressed more than I can say, Miss Jones. They have a great desire for education. I couldn't leave them. Not after they worked so hard to build it. And now? Unfortunately, word reached the people of Goose Creek that there was a school teacher here. They are a slightly larger community and feel that the school district board should assign me to their town. Besides which, there are two children in Goose Creek. I see. The board decided to have it settled by a vote. If enough residents of Goose Creek require my services and outvote the men of Rottenhead Gulch, I shall have to obey the decision of the board. Well, aren't there other teachers available? Yes. But that's the strange part of it. Neither town will accept anyone but me. Of course, I'm flattered. But I can't see that it really makes any difference. Can you? Well, yes. Anyway, you see... Here she is, boys. You, mister, elevate your hands high. <gasps> oh, we don't aim to hurt you none, Miss Jones. You just come along with us and everything will be right fine. Mr. Kendall. Now, look here. Take care of him, Wes. I'll do that. Pop. <laughs> We return to Frontier Gentlemen. Another fascinating adventure is waiting for you on CBS Radio today, as most of these same stations present the FBI in peace and war. Today, these law enforcers go after a pair of swindlers. You'll be amazed by the cleverness of the swindlers. You'll be thrilled to learn, however, that the FBI in peace and war is cleverer still. And now, we return you to the Anthony Ellis production of Frontier Gentlemen. I seem to remember a great roaring in my ears, which, as I awoke, turned out to be the voice of James Ponder. He was kneeling over me, and seeing my eyes open, redoubled his efforts to pour a great dollop of foul-tasting whiskey down my throat. Come on, Kendall, it'll clear your head. No, no, don't. There you go. I don't need it. No. What happened? Yeah, what? Hey, where is she, Kendall? Help me up, will you? Well, where is she? We heard horses, and when we got here, there wasn't nobody except you. Yeah. There were... There were three or four men. Masked. They'd taken her. Well, who was they? I don't know. Except there was a father and son. The older man called the other Wes. Uh, Wes. Jim, that's Wes over to Goose Creek. Yeah, Stomp Peter's son, Wes. 
I might have known it. You reckon they carried her off to beat the vote? That's what they done. What good would it do? Well, I'll <laughs> tell you what good. They figured they got more votes than we got, and even if we maybe voted more times than them, they got her in Goose Creek. And by the time the school district gets around eyeballing around and maybe a recount, well, it'll be two, maybe three months. And by then, there's going to be a new school district board in, and the whole blame thing will have to start up again. Ooh, at no account, Stomp Peters, he's about as welcome as a, a rattler in, in a dog town. Ah, dally your tongue, Shorty. I'll go fetch them other boys out of the hills. we got to do something about this. Oh, we sure have, Jim. I tell you, ain't no goose crick sidewinder going to rustle our school, Marm. All right, hit the breeze, Shorty. And you too, Buck, tell the boys to wear shooting irons. This here's going to be a powder-burning contest. An hour later, 20 men, hard-bitten miners, some of them young, others grizzled, all armed to the teeth, were gathered in Dirty Charlie's saloon. Their mood was black, and it became blacker as Jim Ponder spoke to them. That's Tom Peters. He's a no-good, bullwindy, oily bronc. He come here looking for our school, Mom, and he snatches her clean out of Rotten Head Gulch. Well, he ain't going to get away with it. Because we're going over to Goose Creek, and we're going to shoot up that there place like you never seen. And we're going to get Miss Joan right back where she belongs, yeah? Yeah, where she belongs. And when we get through Stone Peters and that dingbat son of his... We're going to use them to trim a tree, yeah? yeah. yeah. All right, now get your horses, boys, and rattle hawks out of here. You got to miss Kendall. Oh, certainly. Likely they'll be shooting. How far is it to Goose Creek? Oh, about half a mile. All right, now, let's go! Don't you imagine they'll be expecting you? Why, sure they'll be expecting us. It's going to be a real shoot-up. Wouldn't it have been better to surprise them? What for? They know we'd be coming after them. Supposing she gets hurt. Uh, well, now, you know, I didn't think of that. Hey, you figure maybe. Well, with shooting, there's a chance. Boys, you hear what Kendall here says? Well, we don't want the school mom hurt. You watch where you're shooting at you here. Yeah? All right, now, we're going to take it real slow. Just around the next turn. All right, yeah. yeah. Hey, Kendall, you and me, we're going to keep an eye out for Miss Jones. Either one of us eyeballs her gets out of there fast, you hear? Right. There they are. Hey, look at that there, Kendall. Right in the middle of the street. Like you say, looks like they've been expecting us. Came upon Goose Creek with abrupt suddenness. The trail rounded a bend and became an elongated clearing lined on both sides with shacks, perhaps a half dozen more than existed in Rottenhead Gulch. Between the dwellings and in the middle of the street were piled boxes, barrels, and two overturned wagons. Behind this barricade, we could see the figures of men and a reflection of sunlight on steel. Up to this point, even with my headache, the affair had been rather difficult to take seriously, but the complexion had radically changed. When we were no more than 20 yards from the defenders, Jim Ponder held up his hand. Uh, oh, 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 oh,
Yeah. Stop, Peter. What do you want, Ponder? We come to get Miss Jones and take her back to her rightful home. She's in her rightful home, just where she is. And you're a liar. You want to start trouble? We ain't going back without school, Marm. Maybe you ain't going back because you'll be shaking hands with St. Peter. Let me talk to him. This ain't no time for chewing the cud. Let's start throwing lead. Shorty, shut your mouth, will you? They're in a better position than we are. Shucks, we could ride right over him. If you lived that long. What's the matter, boys? Afraid to take the big jump? Come out, Peters. You can bring another man with you. Jim Ponder and I'll meet you between the lines. Who are you? The chap who was with Miss Jones. I told you, Pa. I told you he wasn't dead. All right. You and Ponder get off your horses. Come forward slow. You watch it, Jim. Now, don't you fret. Hey, boys... Hey, start something. You go in and finish it, yeah? Well, oh, let's go, Ken. What's your name, mister? Kendall. This here's my boy, Wes. We figured he'd killed you. I told you I didn't, Pa. What do you got to say? Where's Miss Jones? In the schoolhouse we got built for her. Is she all right? Sure, she's all right. Ain't nobody gonna hurt that pretty gal. No, sir. We ain't take her back, Stomp Peters. You're off your mental reservation if you think you can do it, Ponder. You ain't got no right to a school, ma'am, no how. But there ain't a kid in that broken-down flea-bitten town of yours. Well, that don't matter. We aim to get some by and by. School district give her to us. We just outvoted you. She's ours now. You better set your gun a-going, Stomp Peters. Is that what you want? I'm willing. Draw. Now, wait, wait. That won't settle anything. Well, I've never seen a better way. You get him, Pa. Cut down this here Kendall fella. Young man, I owe you something for that clout on the head, but I have no desire to kill you. <laughs> now, both of you, keep your hands in sight. You too, Jim. Huh? Hey, what's ailing you, mister? I'm on your side. Then keep your gun holster. There's no need for shooting. Peters, tell one of your men to bring Miss Jones out here. I ain't gonna do it. Hey, Sam, go get the school, ma'am. Bring her out. Just what you got in mind, Kendall. You'll see. Well, it better be good. Of course, if it ain't. If and stomp Peters' boys don't get you, me or mine will. Ain't nobody pulls a gun on me and gets away with it. I think What's it's for the best. What are you men doing? Well, howdy, howdy ma'am. Uh, we come to get you out of this here pest hole. <laughs> yeah, we come to save you. I've had enough of this nonsense. First, I'm forced to accompany Mr. Peters against my will. Now your men are lined up waiting to kill each other. I will not have it. Do you understand? Uh, yes, ma'am. Mr. Kendall, put away that gun. All of you. Put down those guns. All right, boys. Sure, what she said. Now, pull them away. Now, Mr. Kendall, I should be obliged if you will escort me back to Laramie. La- Laramie? You, you're going to go back to Laramie? Oh, she's going to Laramie. Oh, Miss Jones. It's gone too far. If this is the example you set your children... Miss Jones, could I have a word with you in private? I really don't see that that well, would... I think you will. Gentlemen, if you'll excuse us. Back to you said we could have her. Looks like there ain't nobody gonna have her no more. Oh, dreadful, dreadful grammar. Double, triple, negative. Miss Jones, there may be a solution, if you're willing. I don't see any way. I really don't. 
If they could share you. Share me? Oh, I mean your teaching. The towns are only a half mile apart. It might be possible. No, Mr. Kendall. My mind's made up. Today is the final straw. Miss Jones, think of the schoolhouse in Rottenhead Gulch. You know, it was rather touching. They built a schoolhouse for me here in Goose Creek as well. The floor isn't quite as good, but... They need you, Miss Jones. You think so? I do. Look at them. They are like children, aren't they? <laughs> Very much like children. I think perhaps you're right, Mr. Kendall. But I wonder what the school district board will think. Well, I imagine a joint petition from both towns ought to settle the problem. Yes. Yes, very likely. All right. If the men will agree to your plan... I'm sure they will. All right. I'll stay. Mr. Kendall? Yes? While I was being held captive, a rather terrible thought occurred to me. It is the education that I can give them, isn't it? I mean, there are no baser thoughts involved. Perhaps because I am a woman? Miss Jones, were it not for the fact that I have already completed my school and university curricula, I should not hesitate to avail myself of the opportunity to better my education. Thank you, Mr. Kendall. You've relieved my mind. The matter was settled most amicably, and readers of the London Times will be interested to know that an extraordinarily pretty woman by the name of Miss Annabella Jones is now entrusted with the education of some 53 adults and two children in the mining towns of Goose Creek and Rottenhead Gulch in Wyoming Territory. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Jack Crucian, Virginia Gregg, Vic Perrin, Jack Moyles, Harry Bartell, and Eddie Firestone. episode of Gunsmoke proves no gambling stakes were too high along the frontier. For thrill upon thrill, hear what happens in the pioneer days of Dodge City when a man's life hangs upon the outcome of a horse race. That's on CBS Radio's Gunsmoke, later on today. Join us again next week for another report from The Frontier Gentleman. Dan Coverley speaking. <laughs>